Welcome to the new Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Tamika Perry and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Tamika Perry. Well, hello everybody and welcome to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron. We're delighted to have you with us. Our co-host today is Desiree Murray. Desiree is a nurse practitioner at WellMed Town Center in Mansfield, Texas. Earned her bachelor's in nursing from Abilene Christian University. Her master's in nursing from the University of Texas at Arlington. Desiree graduated from nursing school on the dean's list. As a family nurse practitioner, she cares for patients for their entire lives from newborns to 99 years old and older. Desiree's list of accomplishments include being named Miss Southlake, and being a contestant in the Miss America and Miss Texas pageants. In 2015, she earned a Citizens Award from the city of Capel for performing the Heimlich Maneuver on someone and saving their life. And Desiree Murray, it is a delight to have you co-hosting with us. Yay, I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Ron. Well, we're delighted to have you. And we're going to be talking uh, about liver and liver cancer, uh, looking at it as uh, this is Liver Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, treatment screenings and uh, and what have you. Uh, w- when you meet a patient for the first time, uh, are you concerned about or aware of what could be a problem with the liver? Oh, absolutely. And when I ask them about their social habits, uh, particularly drinking, if there is uh, an excessive amount, that definitely gets my mind thinking about how is their liver doing. Don't people always lie about how much they drink? I know smokers will lie about how much they smoke. Absolutely. There's always a downplay there, Ron. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'll have a drink a week, maybe, right? And their nose is all blistered red, big and bulbous, right? <laughs> yes. And then I get the liver enzymes and the story comes back completely different. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, let's turn to another expert who's with us today and we're delighted to have him, Dr. Kevin She. He's uh, uh, at WellMed at McDermott, located in Plano, Texas. Dr. Shi earned his medical degree at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School in Dallas. He completed his internship and residency at McGovern Medical School in Houston. In addition, he completed a geriatric fellowship at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston as well. Dr. Shi is board certified in internal medicine and he's a member of the geriatrician board certified. And Dr. Shi, I love asking guests who haven't been on with us before, Uh, Is there something folks would be absolutely surprised to learn about you? For example, you're a mountain climber or you leap out of airplanes. Hi, Ron. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Yes, um, I think people will be surprised that I actually have kids. They always see me and think I'm, you know, right out of high school or college. But I do have two kids and one seven-year-old and one two-and-a-half-year-old. That's interesting. We see you on on Zoom and our... Listeners on Docs in a Pod aren't seeing you. Let me just say, Doogie Hauser looks older than you. Yes, that's a good good comparison. So, so don't let my uh, appearance fool you. I do do did graduate in 2015, and yeah, kind of older than I look. Well, we're delighted to have you with us. What is your interest in liver cancer? Yeah, so interest in liver cancer. It's a definitely a a thing that can really debilitate a person's quality of life, make them very miserable, um, really just keep you at home and keep you from, you know, really enjoying things. 
so definitely finding if you have liver cancer early is a good way to uh, nip it in the bud and keep it from progressing and and putting you into you know a nursing home or uh, you know hospice for that matter. Now, are there things that we can do to minimize the risk of liver cancer, or is it just something that's going to happen? Yeah, so liver cancer is always related to, you know, cirrhosis of the liver, and that is related to chronic damage to the liver. So a lot of times, um, you know, the liver uh, from, you know, different things like alcohol, lifestyle changes, um, drug use, um, those can all lead to liver damage. And the more uh, chronic the liver damage is, the more likely you are able, uh, likely to um, progress to cirrhosis, and with cirrhosis, definitely increases your risk for liver cancer by a lot. So, so there is a pathway to developing liver cancer. Not everybody goes down that pathway, but if you do have those risk factors or, or conditions, then then definitely there's something to be aware of. All right, stay with me just a minute. We're going to come right back to you, but I want to let folks who may have just joined us know you're listening to the award-winning Docs in a Pod. We're also available to you on podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and we invite you to download Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host today, Desiree Murray, and we're talking with Dr. Kevin Shee. He's with the WellMed at McDermott Clinic near Plano. And Dr. Shee, let, let's back up a minute and do the 101 on, can, on, on livers. Well, why, yes. is, why do we have a liver? What does it do? Yeah, so, you know, the liver is a pretty amazing organ. You know, it's one of the only organs that can regenerate when damaged or when you have surgeries or transplants, it can actually regenerate itself. So it is kind of self-healing, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, the liver provides many functions, including um, metabolizing toxins and alcohols, breaks it down into uh, uh, molecules that won't be so toxic to the body and ex uh, helps them with excretion. Uh, the liver also helps with glucose metabolism and controlling sugars. It helps produce uh, different proteins in the blood, uh, helps produce uh, different proteins that help with the immune system. Um, the list goes on and on. It helps with bile production, uh, bile acid. It helps with uh, iron stores and iron metabolism. So it is a pretty, um, it's an or a miracle organ, basically. Um, so, so it has a lot of functions and, and um, you know, it's essential to, you know, keeping the body healthy. And is there something that on an annual basis, uh, as a primary care physician, you do uh, to make sure person's liver is working properly. Yeah, so uh, just at a minimum, doing blood work to check the liver. Um, you can check the liver enzymes and, and you know, get a just baseline a status of how the liver is doing. Um, other things besides, you know, just checking blood work is doing a physical exam. You can feel if the liver is enlarged or check for any signs of liver dysfunction uh, through examination. And then, of course, you want to, you know, talk to the patient and get a good history of things they're doing, alcohol use, drug use, uh, travel, uh, and things like that. So, I mentioned so there are a lot Des of things you can do. Yeah, I mentioned Desiree a couple of moments ago, uh, and, and, and you were listening, uh, that most people who drink will lie initially to the physician about how much they drink. You find uh, that to yes, be true? Yes, um, it's hard to say. You know, I, I take what they tell me face value. You know, if they say they do a certain amount, I you know, uh, take it at face value unless I really suspect that they may be, you know, uh, not disclosing the full number. But, um, you know, if there, if there is a further um, truth that we need to dig up, then, then just, you know, going through a questionnaire, you know, we do the audit C questionnaire and 
that, that has some other indirect question that maybe can help you dig up further clues about how much they're actually drinking. But, it's, an um, audit, yeah. it's an audit C questionnaire. Uh, the audit C questionnaire is a um, questionnaire that has a few questions. Um, nurses can ask it or doctors can ask it. And it kind of gives you like a um, estimate of how much a patient is drinking. Uh, let me pull it up and I can read a few questions from it. That's cool. And Desiree, while he's getting it up on his computer, is that a questionnaire you use as well? Oh, absolutely. And because it's self-reporting and they're sharing with us how much they're drinking or, you know, answering the questions, you have to take it at face value that they're telling you the truth. I just do find sometimes once I get the labs back and I say, hey, you know, something's off here. Is there a possibility that there may be a little bit more consumption than you initially disclose? And then that's when the truth comes out. Um, not everyone is not forthcoming on the front end, but there are some, especially if they're, you know, ashamed or, you know, they feel uncomfortable because they don't they don't know me or they're new to the practice, but they're trying to seek help. Um, I think sometimes patients don't understand the importance of being uh, honest with your provider. That helps us. So, Dr. Shi, throw a couple questions at me from the uh, C survey. Yeah, so the Odyssey survey, um, you know, one of the questions is how many drinks did you have on a typical day when you're drinking last the past year? Um, another question is how, how often did you have six or more drinks on one occasion in the past year? Six so, or you know, more? Wow. Yes. So, you know, these questions, I think, are a little bit more less judgmental, you know, rather than just um, straight out asking them. I think in a way, they, they word it in a way where it sounds like they're not a, you know, typical alcoholic or anything, but, right. but you ask them how many drinks you had on a typical day, which, you know, for, for everybody, a typical day may be, you know, different. Um, so, so I think, you know, the wording is a way to maybe make it not judgmental and people uh, maybe a answering a questionnaire, maybe may feel a little bit more comfortable disclosing it rather than sometimes just face to face. Sometimes answering a question may, may feel a little bit more uh, discreet or anonymous. What are the symptoms if, if someone is developing problems with their liver, liver cancer, or, or other issues? Would they know it? Um, if they know it, if they seek, uh, feel symptoms, that would probably be very advanced. So um, with early stages, you probably wouldn't really know it uh, unless you did blood work or did an ultrasound or some other imaging test. So a lot of people probably have some liver dysfunction or fatty liver, um, early on, and they wouldn't know it unless they, you know, seek medical care and get testing. Um, if you notice liver failure symptoms, cirrhosis symptoms, um, that would already be very late stages in liver disease. What would be the symptoms in late stage that you would feel? Um, a lot of people may feel fatigued. They may feel abdominal swelling. A lot of times with liver uh, disease or cirrhosis, you'll get a lot of fluid retention. You'll feel uh, like your belly is ballooning for no particular reason. Um, people may vomit blood. Um, they may start to see a lot of bruising. Um, sometimes with liver uh, dysfunction or liver uh, disease, cirrhosis, um, a lot of the toxins that the liver is used to breaking down will actually build up uh, because the liver is not able to wow. um, decompose them. So people may be confused. They may have personality changes from these toxins or feel extra tired, extra sleepy. Um, so there's a lot of different symptoms that people can feel once you get to late, late stage liver disease. 
Yeah, Desiree. Well, and then the, the, the yellow skin, right, which we call jaundice. Jaundice. She, the, the yellowing tint of the skin tissue and then the yellowing of the white part of the eyes is another late symptom. Yes. Yeah, jaundice is a big giveaway. You know, the bile mm-hmm. acids are, uh, you know, synthesized by a liver and, you know, kind of excreted. So if the liver is not processing it, a lot of the uh, bilirubin that goes in the bile acids will just leak into the bloodstream and start to, you know, wow. discolor the whole body. I know sometimes uh, newborns uh, are somewhat jaundiced and they s- throw them under the lights. Yes. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah, with newborns. Okay. We're going to come right back to you. You're listening to Docs in a Pod, the award-winning program available, by the way, on podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host today, Desiree Murray, and we're talking with Dr. Kevin Shee. He's at Wellman and McDermott. We're talking about everything you need to know and more about your liver, about your liver. This is Docs in a Pod. Hi, it's Drew Pearson for my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection, too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality health care with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com slash connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. We're so pleased you were with us today on the award-winning Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host today, Desiree Murray. Are you uh, are, are, are with us, Desiree, and we're happy to have you on board. We also have our guest today, who is a physician at Wellmet at McDermott, Dr. Kevin Shee. He is board certified in uh, family practice, and we're delighted to have him with us. And Dr. Shee, as we talk about liver and liver disease uh, and treatment, Let's work through the kind of treatments that are available, but starting with the most drastic, which would be a liver transplant. Yes. So liver transplant would um, be indicated if you have liver cancer. Um, early stage liver cancers can be cured by a transplant. Um, so not all people with liver cancer are candidates. It has to be early stage. It has not have spread. But if you do qualify and you get a liver transplant, that will cure the tr- uh, cancer. Um, and the list for trans- liver transplants is uh, you know, pretty long, but you know, there's not a lot of livers, so you don't want to get to that point where you're on a list waiting for a liver transplant. And we know that you can uh, get a liver transplant from a living donor. They take a chunk of that person's liver and plop it into you, and, and uh, as long as you don't reject it, it ought to work pretty well. Uh, yes. In, in some cases, uh, you can do a, um, a transfer from a liver. Uh, a liver transplant from a living donor. And, um, you know, if it's able to take hold and, you know, regenerate, you will have, um, you know, reestablish some some liver function. And you had mentioned earlier that livers do regenerate themselves. So like frogs, if you chop a leg off, they can grow a new one. How much of the liver, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Desiree, how much of the liver uh, do they actually remove for the transplant? Uh, so in, um, you know, cadaver transplants, they'll take the whole liver but um, in living donor transplants, they'll take uh, probably close to half. If you still have half, it can pretty much regenerate to the full size. So no less than half. Um, they shouldn't take, they should take no less than, wow. no more than half, I mean. No right. more, 
than half of the trans the donor's liver, and they will still be able to regenerate. Now that's the end of the line in terms of your ability to treat someone. If you get to the point where a liver transplant is their only hope, uh, what, what are the other uh, levels of treatment and, and what do they look like? Yeah, so if you're not a candidate for a liver transplant or um, you know procedure like that, um, some uh, candidates may be able to cut off the cancer. If uh, you know you have a healthy liver, the remaining liver can regenerate then. So that is an option where you cut off the portion of uh, liver with the cancer. So you um, can actually people... go in. You can actually, pardon me for interrupting. You can actually go in, open them up, look at the liver and tell which part has cancer and which part doesn't? Yes. If, if, it is, um, if the cancer is um, uh, just in one area of the liver or one lobe of the liver, you can remove that lobe or that section and the other part of the liver will still be able to function and you'll have some regeneration as well. Wow. Um, but then you'll still have to be yeah. monitored for, you know, any cancer in the remaining lobes. Um, you know, if you develop cancer in one lobe, you are likely to still develop cancer in, in uh, other lobes as well. So is monitoring there? and surveillance is still important. Hey, Desiree, awesome. I thought you wanted to jump in there. I, I, just, I just think it's so awesome how the liver works. And I'm so glad we're discussing this so people are aware that you know, if you get that diagnosis of liver cancer early, there is something that we can do and we're talking about it and there's an answer and that's awesome to know. And then uh, are there also treatments with chemo and radiation? Oh, yes. Um, there are uh, radiation treatments you can do. Uh, they do some procedures where they can uh, put an electrode into the um, you know center of that tumor or cancer and then they try to... Um, uh, burn it away or, you know, use different radio frequencies to burn it away. Um, other things involve, you know, putting a little, um, you know, molecule and delivering it to the cancer through the bloodstream. And that can also try to burn away the cancer. So, so if it is not, um, you know, metastasized and just very local in one area, those things can, can help with um, killing the cancer. Um, and then there are also some other pills out there um, that help reduce the, um, the cancer tumor, uh, tumor size. So those actually have a direct um, impact on growth of the tumor and help reduce the, the cancer. Now, is cancer of the liver an equal opportunity disease, uh, no matter your age, your gender, your nationality? Uh, yes, uh, it really depends on the risk factors of the patient. Um, a lot of the liver cancers are related to the chronic damage of the liver, um, you know, viral hepatitis, hepatitis C, hepatitis B, alcohol, um, you know, different autoimmune things. As long as it, um, you know, as long as uh, those things cause chronic inflammation in the liver, then you can uh, develop liver cancer, uh, no matter who you are. Now, as far as developing those underlying causes, that would depend on kind of where you live and uh, you know, kind of, uh, um, you know, regional areas and stuff like that. But, but once you get the chronic damage, it can cause cancer to, to anybody. You say regional areas. What, what do you mean by that? There are parts of the country that you're more at risk for liver disease? Or, or parts of the world, you know, um, in the West and the, the America, you know, probably alcohol and, um, you know, fat, uh, fatty liver from overweight obesity. Um, those things would, you know, lead to, chronic liver damage and inflammation and can progress to cirrhosis given enough time. 
Uh, the rest of the world, maybe other causes like hepatitis or um, you know other conditions like viral hepatitis C and B is prevalent in Asia. Um, there's parasites that can cause liver inflammation in different parts of the world, um, you know, less developed areas. So, so those things can be infectious uh, causes that lead to chronic damage and lead to cirrhosis. Um, so, so those underlying causes may be dependent on where you uh, live. What about genetic? If your mom or dad or grandma or grandpa had liver disease, are you higher at risk? Um, there are some rare genetic conditions like uh, hemochromatosis. Um, that can be a genetic issue or alpha-1 antitrypsin. Uh, Wilson's disease, those are kind of metabolic uh, issues where you lack an enzyme to process different molecules, and those can lead to liver damage because of buildup of those molecules. Um, those are not necessarily hereditary. Some of them are, uh, but um, some of them can be just congenital or just random changes uh, in a person. And then what about smoking? Uh, smoking um, not necessarily can cause uh, liver cancer, but you know, smoking does cause inflammation in the body. Right. So if you already have some underlying conditions, it may just lead to more inflammation. And then when you take a look at the kind of treatments that are available, uh, I'm assuming uh, liver disease can develop uh, in, in even younger people, may not be caused by alcohol for the eight or nine or 10 year old. What would be their triggers? Yeah, so for younger or pediatric patients, there are some hereditary conditions. Um, usually they would know about it at a young age or in utero. So some conditions that can cause it would be uh, Gaucher's disease. That's a, uh, also a lack of an enzyme in breaking down certain fats. And that will lead to the fat buildup of the liver and you know, uh, overall over time lead to dysfunction in the liver from inflammation. So there are some other um, pediatric uh, conditions that can do it at, at an earlier age. Um, but and then what I see about, less, uh, less of that. Huh. What about diet? Are there uh, foods that you can eat uh, that would be healthier in terms of uh, better for your liver than others? Yeah, so in terms of diet, uh, of course, you know, reducing the alcohol, you know, that I guess that can be considered a diet change, you know, reducing the alcohol, um, avoiding too many red meats. A lot of the red meats are pro-inflammatory. They have cholesterol, they have triglycerides, and that can lead to fatty deposits. Um, and then, um, so it's, it's you know, not a other... good idea to, to, I'm sorry, I just want to clarify for the community. It's not a good idea to eat a burger and steak every day. It's just not the best thing to do, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very good, simple, but good advice. Uh, the best, <laughs> the simplest advice any doctor can give, you know, for free. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, other things besides burgers would be processed foods, things with a lot of butter, you know. A lot of cooking has a lot of butter and grease, lard. That all the stuff, stuff we grew up loving. All, yes. all the stuff you like. So, <laughs> so those can lead to obesity. Um, extra carbohydrates will lead to a lot of fat deposit buildup. And that can lead to just obesity in general. And with obesity, you can get fatty liver. Uh, they go hand in hand. Now, um, you've mentioned fatty so liver on, on a couple of occasions. Uh, is that what it sounds like? You get a really fat liver? Yes. So with any condition, underlying condition affecting the liver, you'll first uh, see fatty liver. Uh, fatty liver is the first sign of dysfunction, and it can be caused by 
you know, the alcohol, it could be caused by hepatitis, it could be caused by, you know, the, the obesity. So anytime you uh, see fatty liver, that's, you know, some sort of chronic damage occurring. Uh, and when you have fatty liver, you know, that hasn't led to cirrhosis, that, that's still a time to make changes and intervene, you know, whether it's dietary restrictions and changes or getting treatment for the hepatitis, reducing the alcohol. Um, at that stage, you can still um, reduce that and, and reduce the inflammation. We have less than a minute left, and I'm going to throw a question at you that uh, uh, I'd like to end with. Why, why do you think there are people who can drink and drink in excess who don't develop cirrhosis of the liver? What's protecting them? That, that's a good question. Um, it's possible that you know their liver has more of an enzyme that breaks down the alcohol or or, you know, uh, possibly some genetic predisposition or, um, you know, hard to say, but there might be a genetic predisposition um, that keeps them from getting liver cancer or liver cirrhosis. But that's a very small, uh, that's a very small minority. Most people would lead to, you know, right. liver damage and cirrhosis. But some, some people just, I guess, have a um, genetic predisposition, predisposition to, you know, not look, to, to heal the liver and maybe break down the alcohol and uh, got to stop you right there. The so don't roll the dice. Don't take a chance. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Kevin Chi, for joining us. Thank you to Desiree Murray, our co-host. I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today on the award-winning Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Natalie Ibarra. And associate producer is Isaac Wilker. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron.